0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have had a massive, massive weekend. This is actually the first time since Endgame I have seen movie theaters this packed. And you know what I'm going to be talking about? Barbenheimer Weekend. Barbie Oppenheimer coming out on the 21st. We're going to be covering both films, highs, lows, critiques, and, of course, our grades afterwards. We are on the five-point Mario Brothers scaling system. This is your host, Brian, a.k.a. El Nino, and today I'm joined with... I'm Kip, a.k.a. Kill a Disciple. And we have a very special guest, one of our main sponsors here at Zero Dark Nerdy.
2: Steven, a.k.a. Sailfish Steve.
1: <laughs> from sailfish comics, From love it love it as you know from the intro middle of the episodes and outro sailfish comics they have been good friends of ours for quite some time now three locations across north carolina one right here in greensboro across from best buy one in winston-salem and one in concord we'll get into more sailfish stuff at the end but right now we are going to get into the two hottest movies since the pandemic barbie and oppenheimer and we'll, we will go ahead and start with what's supposed to be the format. You're supposed to watch Oppenheimer first and then finish with Barbie. Kip and I ended up having to do the reverse because Oppenheimer was super sold out on packed. Sunday. Yeah. So we had to watch Barbie first. And, Stephen, I believe you watched Oppenheimer first and then watched Barbie second. Is that correct?
2: I did, yeah. I was at the the very back for Oppenheimer. Not ideal seating, but... uh you know, when you have the third largest box office weekend of all time, it's to be expected.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we met up at the, theater, at, at the comic book store and I know you're getting ready to, uh, to go see Oppenheimer. So what was that experience like for you from beginning to end? I mean, I'm talking about as soon as you get, you know, checked in with your ticket, did you see it as packed? Cause you went on Friday.
2: Yeah. So and the
1: opening day.
2: And it was packed. I thought, I was a little surprised because the crowds were definitely more Barbie oriented. A lot <laughs> of pink, a lot of balloons in the in the lobby and stuff, a lot of people looking like they were there to just have a good time as opposed to uh trudge through the <laughs> you know, I I am become death's destroyer of worlds kind of vibe. But mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. overall it was it was great. Uh it's definitely You know, the heavier of the two, you always expect that from Christopher Nolan. And he really delivered, you know, beginning to end. Almost on two fronts, I feel like. It's almost like two movies in one and both of them are like at war with each other and how good they are and how well acted and how well they're depicted.
1: I'm really glad you said that, two movies in one, because I definitely got that vibe. This isn't your typical Christopher Nolan I need to watch it five times for this movie to make sense. Especially going back to Tenet, right. uh, Inception as well. You know, I mean, for the exception of the Dark Knight trilogy and and even some of his like other classics too, like The Prestige. I don't feel like this is one where you need to rewatch over and over and over again for it to make sense. Like Tenet, I always hear hey, by the fourth time I watched it, it made sense to me. I'm not a fan (laughs) of movies like that. I mean, I do like a little bit of, you know, mystique and and things like that. But this one, I I did feel like it was definitely two stories in one. But most importantly, you didn't have to feel like you were a rocket scientist to enjoy the film.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I thought you know, there was the black and white elements to the confirmation hearing storyline versus the color of the other to really set them apart and mm-hmm. other than like Rami Malik being there in one and knowing, well he hasn't set a line so you know this has to come back somewhere, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of, <laughs> of uh, not a whole lot of like that you had to keep up with. It's not like Memento where you had to figure out Right. you know where the whole thing was going the whole time
1: great kip what were your thoughts on it
0: i mean it is a classic nolan uh movie where things are told non-linear and like like you said with the memento i had to watch that probably four or five times just because i love the movie it's probably yeah. my favorite nolan movie still i watched that several times and i'm like yeah you know i didn't catch that the first couple go-arounds this one i mean as long as you don't fall asleep which i struggled I'm not going to lie. I struggled a few yeah, times. It was time. a struggle I'm, for me, too. I'm Those movie theater seats are so comfortable. <laughs> right. Not yeah. A few times. I <laughs> had to catch myself. you know. But, I mean, for the most part, I knew what was going on. And, again, you don't have to be a rocket science. But as somebody that studied, like, physics and, you know, you know engineering, mm-hmm. I love watching movies like that because I'm like, okay, give us our time to shine. You know, and everything has to be explosions, which there was a major explosion in it. But, you know, that wasn't really the focus of the movie. It was everything that led up to that. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm one of those people to where I'm older now. I do appreciate a good nap. Anytime there's a downtime in a movie, especially as comfortable as the movie theater seats have gotten over the years. You know, there were just definitely times where I was catching myself falling asleep, not because the movie was, was boring per se. You know, it's just, it it's a slow buildup and, and that's what it is. That's what Christopher Nolan is known for. It's not, dynamics in the beginning i mean for the exception of the dark knight series you gotta wait a little bit until you kind of see what's really going on right and i thought the uh, you know of all the cameos that we get and, and just performances i thought the females really stepped up to the plate between uh, emily blunt florence and, Pugh. Uh, and florence yeah you
0: yeah. did like she had probably way less screen time than yeah. emily blunt but she showed her i mean okay i don't want to say showed her ass like. <laughs>
1: I mean, she literally did, <laughs> she did but, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: she did a great job yeah. with the little bit that she was in the movie, you know, yeah. like she made a statement, you know, like, like, I feel like her scenes, just the way she was acting, I mean, she's coming up, man. Like yeah. she's done, like her resume is looking great oh, at yeah. this point for somebody that's been in the, I guess, in the the
1: public eye for mm-hmm. like less than 10 years. Yeah, you know? I, I feel like it's Jennifer Lawrence and then Florence P. was is right. right there.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and Emily Blunt, I was kind of like, well, she's not getting as much to do. But then that last hour, she comes on yeah. real strong. Yeah,
1: that third act, like that was her act right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, one thousand percent. Are there any takeaways even for you in terms of you? Uh, for one thing, I I I do find it impressive, but also scary that the links that actors take to portray a character in terms of weight loss, we've seen. Of, um, you know, Christopher Nolan and The Machinist. The the drastic weight loss that Christian Bale went through. And Mm -hmm. apparently, Cillian Murphy was eating one almond a day to get his face to be, I mean, his whole body really to be like that. So, I don't know. And and just I would just love to get your thoughts on this. I mean, do you feel like that's super extreme? Is that something that you would ever see yourself doing? Cause to me, as much as I love cinema, I'm a very hangry person <laughs> and I'm just eating off three meals a day. So I can't imagine how hangry I get eating one almond a day to look the the part of a specific role for a movie.
2: Yeah, and to to be willing to do it, you know, obviously like you said, Christian Bale had done it. And knowing that it's something that's going to be expected, it's like the opposite of like Kamel Nangiani going through all the effort to get super ripped for Eternals and then right. not really being used and the impact that it has. So I think it's, right. Right. it's extreme, but I yeah. think, you know, when you get these like almost theater troops, together like and Murphy has I think been in six Christopher Nolan movies now and you got the cameo from Gary Oldman and this going back to Dark Knight and other right. things I think you know when the time comes I think everyone wants to be doing their part and if somebody else has gone to the wall for it then they want to go through whatever they have to do to live up to the example that's already been set for Christopher Nolan yeah right
1: yeah I mean even uh, Matt Damon went on record saying that he promised his wife some time off, and he said unless Christopher Nolan calls me for a movie, mm-hmm. and then lo and behold I yeah. guess he was getting yelled at by I mean, I wouldn't say that he, that he was getting yelled at, but I'm sure she was like, you gotta be shitting me yeah. <laughs> so, but he didn't have to do any drastic weight gain or weight loss with it, but what's what's your thought when, when it comes to things like that too, Kip I'd love to get your feedback on this i I think that
0: certain actors take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess like with uh, Christian Bale's example of the machinist, that's what that role called for, right? Uh, it's just it's super unhealthy to do that for to have your weight fluctuate the way it you know it may have to.
1: Yeah, um, because we're not talking about just a couple pounds here. I mean, we're talking drastic. Yeah, the the weight guy was like, weight I think he lost, was like, I think
0: less than a hundred pounds when he did the machinist. Yeah, you know? and I'm like, that's that's crazy, and I feel like he was hospitalized at one point. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean. I do a lot for a few million dollars though. It's not like he's, they're not doing it for almonds here. You know, they're getting paid. They're being well compensated. So, I mean that, and also you turn in a good performance that builds on your reputation as an actor. Mm. And you're going to have, you know, a list directors wanting to work with you. Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah, I think especially when
2: Christian Bale did the Machinist, it was like he was still trying to break away from the like right. empire of the sun, Newsies kind of right, Christian right, Bale right. and the way the, the way the world saw him. Yeah,
0: he became like a legit like actor yeah. is turning in a good, you know, dramatic performance and he became an A-lister probably from doing that. You know, I mean he was what what was that? Reign of Fire, like he was doing stuff like that, you know. He was. I don't know if that was before, yeah. or, but you know, I mean, he did other. I mean, don't
1: talk shit about Rain of Fire. I I liked it. That movie, his
0: rules. Yeah, his earlier (laughs) stuff, like Equilibrium. He was Equilibrium. That was great. I love that movie. You know, that was that may have gotten him action roles because he killed that. But Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be in a Nolan movie. He's like the golden boy. You know, you. It's like working with Scorsese. Yeah, or like Oliver Stone or something like that. You know, Nolan. He's top tier. Mm -hmm so yeah i mean if he asked me to live off of four pebbles of kibble (laughs) you know i'd probably end up doing it you know that means i'm gonna be sitting at the oscars waiting to hear my name called sure
1: and there's also very few directors out there that can go up to a studio and say here's my project here's what i need and the studio says yes Mm -hmm. christopher nolan solidified himself after you know, yeah, I think a little bit before, but definitely after doing the Batman trilogy right. and then, of course, Inception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll get to, to Greta in a little bit because I feel like she's going to be in that aspect of it, especially in terms of female directors. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's exciting to see new properties that are directed well that are meant for theaters. Right. So, you know, before before we get to Barbie, um, you know, let's let's go over again. You got to do this out of a scale of five. And this time I'll start with you, Kip, and okay. then I'll go to Steven. You know, where would you rank? And give me two rankings. I want to know, like, rewatchability ranking mm-hmm. and then just your overall ranking of the film.
0: Okay. Rewatchability. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I could watch it in theater again. <laughs> now, I'm glad that I did watch it in theater because mm-hmm. the sound was... It was, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine watching that for the first time at home. Mm -hmm. So definitely if you have a chance to get out there to the theater, you're going to want to see it in theater also just to support theaters right now. Um, And again, you know, everybody that worked on that movie, I know they worked their asses off to make that Uh, based on just what I saw in the cinema. I would give it a, I don't know, is it like we do whole numbers or do you-, uh, you know you can do like at least, at least do a half okay, like don't okay. do like all right, 0.15 so i'm gonna give it a, a four and a half out of five actually for both i mean i'd say four and a half out of five for just just seeing it one time and then rewatchability. i would definitely watch it again but at home and to come of my own home and probably in sections you know like i almost wanted like a tarantino uh intermission <laughs> you know yeah feel- yeah because i made it all the way through without even going to the bathroom and that was rough so. Same, <laughs> same.
2: Uh, I would say I'm going to give it, you know, rewatchability. I'll definitely watch it. I always come around to every Nolan movie, no matter right. how, even if I'm not like, oh, I've got to, you know, figure it out again or anything. Like I watched Interstellar a couple weeks ago, just because I don't know that I'd watched it since it came out. And I was like, oh, Timothy Chalamet was his son in that. Like right. had completely forgotten that. Nolan was ahead of the curve on that on top of everything else. So definitely, you know, a five out of five for rewatching. And I would say a four out of five as far as uh, the movie itself. I think that, you know, I, I, I harp on this all the time. And my wife especially does when I look at the runtime of something, even like the new Mission Impossible is three hours. And it's like, okay, well, people seem to think, that this movie has to be three hours, so you feel like you got your money's worth out of it. But I think you could have cut out easily a half an hour, if not an hour, from Oppenheimer. And yeah, I agree. you I agree. would have just had a killer, killer, all killer, no filler experience. So four out of five, just for that reason.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. When when Kip, myself, and a big shout-out to our buddy Derek, who, who saw the movie with us, I felt as if I think I would have enjoyed this more, even though it was a great cinematic experience. So let me go ahead and start with that. Cinematic experience-wise, I will definitely give this a a four out of five. Like, go watch this in theaters for the sound, the visuals, a Christopher Nolan experience, what you come to expect from a Christopher Nolan film. With that being said, this did feel all of three hours to me. You know, there's three-hour movies that don't feel like three-hour movies. Right. Uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street to me is one where I could kind of just watch on whatever. But I'm just a – I've always been a Scorsese fan. I've always been a Christopher Nolan fan. But this this did feel all three hours. So you are correct, Stephen. I think they could have knocked out, you know, half an hour to an hour of this right. film. Mm-hmm. And if they were to keep it the way it is, I would have preferred if it was an HBO special directed by Christopher Nolan – on a Chernobyl like turn up, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that way it could have been a six part mini series. Let's just say mm-hmm. where it could have kept people maybe engaged a little bit longer because that is one of the main concern. I mean, let's face it, we're in a world right now where we want everything fast, we want everything quick, and I mean, I feel like the three of us are cinephiles where we really enjoy the experience, but not everybody is like us and i'm not saying christopher nolan makes movies for everybody don't get me wrong yeah But there's a lot of people where they look at the time and as soon as it's over two hours or two and a half hours immediately they just check out they don't even yeah. want to give it a chance so i mean that obviously didn't happen this weekend because it has been the best weekend since covid the right. best box office weekend between this movie and, and barbie since uh end so i mean yes i will say go out and watch it especially if you love christopher nolan movies and most importantly original content you know this isn't a a remake this isn't part 10 or part 12 or a part of an extended Cinematic Universe, which we have all grown to love, right. and we can get to that in a yeah. little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I, and that's what I love about Christopher Nolan. We know it's going to be even when it was Batman, it didn't feel like the old Batman films, which I enjoyed. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from Tim Burton or anything like that. But, he just has an eye for making things look real and look amazing, where it's not just super, super CGI focused. Yeah, and I really respect him for that
2: and you know that when you see them building los alamos in the movie yeah that they're actually out yeah, there yeah. building a town yeah. for the sake of this movie and yeah. for his vision and stuff so to see that old school filmmaking is very, very cool
1: yeah. but exactly. it was really good to just see the different demographics for both films across the board
2: yeah
0: i felt like we saw for a lot sure. with uh, barbie as far as the oh, demographics. Yeah. um yeah
1: so let you know. Let's go ahead and get to Barbie on that. So Barbie, as, as far as stats go, so let me go ahead and run down some numbers for this weekend to show how how absolutely massive this weekend was. So Barbie earned three hundred and thirty-seven million dollars worldwide, and Oppenheimer brought in one hundred and seventy-four million worldwide for a total combined gross of five hundred and eleven million dollars. Again, That's one weekend, one weekend. Wow, and weekend. this is not a holiday weekend, too. You know, holiday right, weekends right, right. numbers fluctuate mm-hmm. a little bit because they come out on Wednesday, and I, I believe these two came out on Thursday, like the normal schedule goes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. biggest opening weekend since the pandemic, the fourth biggest opening weekend in box, op- in, in box office history for two movies, and the, the ones before that were Endgame, Infinity War, and The Force Awakens. And I mean, we're talking those three movies carried that whole entire weekend where these two complete opposite ends. (laughs)
0: What else came out? Right. Yeah. Complete
1: opposite ends of the spectrum. And the marketing, I mean, to me, it's, it's genius in a way to where it's like, let's just get people out to the theaters and we'll let it go up to them. And it just happened. So before Mm -hmm. we get to Barbie, I mean, what was kind of your first take, Stephen? Well, we'll start with you, like, especially with the Barbie movie coming out. Like, what what were your thoughts? And then, you know, Kip, and then we'll just kind of go from there.
2: I've had a crush (laughs) on Greta Gerwig since, like, Greenberg or something like that. You know, another Uh, Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach collaboration, and then Francis Ha and all that, so... You know, I've always been aware of her as long as she's been working, even going back to the movies with the DePlost brothers uh, in the early aughts and stuff. Saw Lady Bird, didn't love it. Saw Little Women, didn't love it. But her working and co writing with Noah Baumbach was big for me. Uh, you know, going back to movies like Squid and the Whale and things like that and mm. getting that wry sense of humor to go with what she's brought in as a director, uh, yeah. I think is what really put this one over the top for me.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, going into it, just, just off trailers and a little bit of a buzz. My, my daughter is a gigantic a 24 fan and just a Greta fan in general. So she already loved lady bird, her and I actually watched little women together and I never seen the previous iterations of little women. I was just more impressed mm-hmm. by the cast. And I enjoyed it. You know, it's not really my cup of tea. I'm going to tell you right now, if it, was little Women, mm-hmm. if it was Little Women Oppenheimer, I would have been like, ah, uh, it's just going to be Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer weekend for me. Yeah. But, you know, seeing the cast and kind of getting a little bit of feedback that this was not going to be a PG movie is what got me a little bit excited about seeing it. And then we'll get into that a little bit. And then pick what was, you know, what was your first reaction to that?
0: Uh, Barbie pretty much had me at the first trailer. <laughs> like I, I, it gave me like 21 jump street vibes where I'm like, okay, so I'm not really supposed to take this seriously. They're not taking themselves seriously. It's, it's right. a comedy, you know? And as I saw the next trailer, I was like, okay, this is more geared towards adults, but there's stuff. It's, it's like the opposite where you like, you go see a kid's movie, like the Lego movie, and then it has yeah. something for the adults. This seemed like it was for adults, but had something for the kids. Yeah. You know? so yeah. i mean uh I, I was definitely more excited to see that than
2: oppenheimer
0: which, <laughs> which is bad i guess i don't know but mm-hmm. i mean i i mean oppenheimer i felt i never felt more like an adult watching a movie before and <laughs> we were just missing the suits yeah just you know in. yeah that's, that's that's how i felt i felt like we just stepped off of like the suits yeah <laughs> or like yeah set to go watch this movie but um yeah like i had a a great time with it like i i felt i was i didn't go in with high expectations right i just wanted a good time i wanted a few laughs and it gave me everything i asked for Mm -hmm. and i think that this will lead to bigger projects for her because she did a phenomenal job you know directing it's kind of like i mean as far as like uh female directors Mm -hmm. there i mean there's a, a small handful of yeah of uh, female, I mean, there's tons of them, but like the ones that we actually know, right? Very few, you know. Like, you have somebody like Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. great director, and she directed a action movie, you know, and it's great. You know, Patty Jenkins, the first uh, yeah. <laughs> Wonder <laughs> yeah. Woman yeah. And, and Monster, you know, I mean, she's going to be up there in, on that tier, yeah, I think going forward, and that's good for her. And yeah. I mean, after
1: this weekend, you know, the highest grossing weekend for any female director of all time. Directed uh, Penny Marshall, you mm-hmm. know, was one of my mm-hmm. favorite directors so, yeah. growing up. I yeah. mean, League of Their Own, Big. Mm-hmm. Those are two of my yeah. favorite movies right there. So, I mean, it, it's great to see the comeuppance, I guess you could say, for someone like this. Because I feel like if not after Barbie, she is going to be in a Christopher Nolan type of Steven Spielberg, uh, you know, all these directors that can just say, hey, here's my project, throw me some money, I'm going to make it fire. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, same same thing with, yeah. with, with Kip. I, I don't think I was hooked on the first episode though, or the first trailer. I was definitely like, I'm intrigued. It seems like it's going to be a fun movie. And let's face it, we're in the middle of a recession. You know, the world's at war with itself. We need more fun shit at the movie theaters. Oh, yeah, for sure. Plain and simple. And the one thing I will say, and Kip and I talked about this briefly, it's just crazy the the propaganda bashing oh that's going yeah. on with it, it seems like you can't come out with anything without it being propaganda no right, matter what right, the movie right. is. Mm-hmm.
0: there's always some agenda attached to it right it's like, no we're just just a yeah. movie guys and, <laughs> and, and I
1: tell you what there there was this TikToker who took all these one star ratings and actually put it on the or one star reviews and put it on the Barbie movie poster to make it like a legit like review and it made yeah. me want to watch the movie even more <laughs> so it's great to like take these trolls that just want to just complain about every single thing on the planet which people can we just pump the brakes a little bit like not everything is propaganda can that can there not be a good movie out there without there being a background message behind it right. and even if there is so what it's not paying your bills it's not helping you get rich right it's just there for entertainment purchases i'm not brainwashed i'm not going out to buy barbies tomorrow right. you know because then i saw that i saw people were burning barbies i'm like What is going on right now?
0: Yeah. Like, even if you hated the movie for whatever reason, it it didn't ruin your day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it didn't ruin your day. Like, come on. If if
1: pop culture (laughs) is ruining your life that much, then please find an alternative. But I went in... Completely surprised. I brought my sister with me. Uh, my wife Ashley, I love you. I know you're gonna be listening to this episode. I gotta call you out though. She was a little bit too hungover to join us <laughs> for the movie. So it was myself, my sister Kip, Autumn, and then our good friends Derek and Kate. And we all walked out of there smiling. I mean, it's it's two hours of just goofy, dumb fun.
2: But you also get a a happy ending for everyone. Like, I I mean, we said we walked out of there feeling good. It's not like anyone was marginalized. And in the end, the Barbies are like, oh, man, we haven't been treating the Kens right. Like, there's a reason that they feel the way they feel and they don't need to be the way they're being about it. But we need to change something about the way we've been acting, too.
0: Right, yes. and that's the message for both sides. Hey, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, if you really look at it, it's like, oh. Because, like, I'm sitting there watching, and it's like, a lot of things didn't hit me as hard as it hit, as hard as it hit Autumn. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, there's a part where one of the characters is giving, like, this monologue. And if I was a woman or, you know, a mother or something like that, it, I would have felt it a lot harder than yeah. she did. You know Mm -hmm. it's just like i'm looking at her i'm like wow this is like you know and she gets pretty emotional when it comes to movies and tv shows and commercials and yeah you know stuff like that but it hit her really hard i'm like oh wow but at the same time she was laughing the whole time too so there was some of everything in this movie i'm gonna give it a four out of five uh the comedy that's what did it for me yeah ryan gosling he's so good he's great and the fact this guy like if if he won an oscar for comedy like I would completely get it because the guy. I'm not saying he carried the movie, but comedically, I would say he carried the movie. Like I mean, the, just the Kens in general. Simu Liu, like him, and the guy that plays Gravic in uh, Secret Invasion. I don't know his name yeah. yet. Yet yeah. <laughs> we will know his name. Oh, after, we will after Bob Marley. We will yeah. know his name. But um, yeah, I mean, they they did a great job. I mean even Michael Sarah, his part. Oh, as uh, uh, what was it, Adam Allen? Yeah, <laughs> Allen. Allen, Allen. Allen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was great. Will Ferrell was great, but he's, I mean, he's usually, you know, he's Will Ferrell. He's going to give you you what he's known for. Uh, Issa Rae, like she
1: was funny. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought
0: everybody everybody had, uh, they did their part, and I loved it. So, yeah, I'd give it a four out of five.
1: Comedy-wise, here's how you know. I mean, this movie will stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, and I've already seen it happening. We are all going to be calling our homes. Mojo Dojo Casa Houses, <laughs> plain and simple. Mojo, dojo, casa house. And then I love how they're like, you know, you don't have you don't to have say that, that at the end.
0: Yeah, you don't have to say.
1: But it's so great. <laughs> you so even as dojo I, you casa. know, I, if we would have seen if we would have seen it for my barbecue this past weekend, I would have been like, this is the Mojo <laughs> Dojo Casa House barbecue. <laughs> so yeah. Now, what's I, your rating on Barbie, bud? Uh, I give it a
2: five out of five. Love it. Wow, okay. Love it. I don't hold
1: think, on. Hold on. Hold on. Before you say anything yeah. more.
2: Here it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there was anything in the whole movie that was wasted. I yeah. think that there were, you know, there's musical numbers, there's fight scenes, there's cameos, like uh, the old woman on the bus stop bench when Barbie meets her. That is Barbara Handler that they talk about in the movie. Who is that's the actually inspiration. Not. That's act- that's oh, yeah. it is? It?
0: It's not. No, she's actually a costume designer that's friends with Greta Gerwig
2: so oh, okay okay yeah that's actually my mistake there. then no, but uh everybody thinks but that. yeah uh i don't i just don't feel like there was any scene that was wasted mm-hmm. um i think that there are things that i want for movies that i'll still go see everything like no hard feelings it was fine but i still want there to be room for quotable comedies and r-rated comedies in right. the marketplace so i went to see it yeah. and after when i went out with my friends to eat after the movie we were all quoting lines from barbie already like right anytime anything that has gone well the last couple days it's been sublime like you know (laughs) i think it's gonna be as a comedy stand the test of time like you Mm -hmm. said the same way anchorman or dodgeball or Mm -hmm. any other great comedy does and then it had a ton to say in the same way that a movie like everything everywhere all at once or vengeance did last year where it hits you emotionally too
1: Mm. Mm -mm -mm. you gotta you get a second air horn for
2: that brother i tell people (laughs) all the time
1: i'm like in the early 2000s before we had memes and gifs it was quotes from movies and yeah was one of them yeah so I, i i will give this Definitely a four point five out of five. I actually cannot wait to watch this movie again. I did tell Ashley, she was like, "Well, will you go to theaters again? Maybe." I mean, we got a lot of other stuff coming out. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but it's one of those like, if it's on TV, I'm probably gonna watch it. You know, I'm gonna put it up.
0: You know, rewatchability. I'm actually going to change my. I I gave it a four. I'm gonna go to a four point five. There we go. There we go. You know what? Like. I can see myself watching this before I watch Oppenheimer. There you go. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, again, if it's on streaming, I'm like, it's on up. Right. Okay. That's it's, what I'm it's watching. I'd like, like to call so those
1: my TNT and TBS movies. Right.
0: If it's on TV, I yeah. watch it. No matter what point it's on. Yeah. Like if it's
2: a third yeah. of the way through. You're like, I guess I'm riding this out. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: agree. <No>,
0: <laughs> and I
2: think we've only seen the first. You know, the biggest opening weekend for a female director ever. The bit, part of the bit fourth largest weekend ever. You said, but. Mm-hmm. I think whatever streamer gets Barbie oh, is going gosh. to see a bump once it goes on there too. And yeah. it'll be like Barbie sleepovers and stuff, the same way you saw people going out uh, for it. So I think it's only halfway through its cultural phenomena too. Right.
1: And I'm sure, I mean, I know we have a limited amount of, of drive-in theaters out there, but I could definitely see this being a hit. I don't know about both. I mean, to me, five hours is a lot to mm-hmm. spend i mean there's people that have done it that did both movies in the same day and god bless all of you that did it i don't it. know how. <laughs> i could not i could not i don't yeah, care yeah. how good they both are five hours is a lot so um excellent before before we wrap up though steven i want to let the fans yes. know a little bit more about sailfish comics they've been hearing about you you know really since the last couple years now you know tell mm-hmm. them just a little bit about how sailfish got started where you guys are going and like what are the new the what's the new hot shit coming out here in the next okay. uh,
2: sailfish started 17 years ago my business partner brett parks he had been teaching english in korea saving up money selling you know whatever region locked dvds of racer head and selling transformers you couldn't get anywhere else drop shipping okay. them to the u.s to make his nest egg to open the store came back, opened the store, and I was the first guy there helping him pull subscriptions as soon as he opened. Like I remember going to pick up books from him when he was still painting the walls. And then fast forward 10 years, and I wanted a piece of something for my own. Yeah, Got together with Brett, opened up our own shop in Greensboro. And then three years after that, we had hired a kid named Colton. He wanted to make his bones as well we set him up down in concord so that's kind of how the manifest destiny has progressed um as far as the new hotness uh we have ultimate invasion going on that's the big marvel summer event dc's turned things a little more horror oriented with night terrors across their whole line of books uh and there's always new stuff to try we just had an exclusive variant featuring our puppy lois for a new book called scrapper that's like blade runner Meets Homeward Bound kind of stray dogs in the uh, dystopian future solving crimes. So that's a lot of fun. And especially if you like the movies that you saw this weekend, there's a especially uh, Oppenheimer, uh, Jonathan Hickman, who's written a bunch for the Avengers and stuff. Mm -hmm. He teamed up with a guy named Nick Batara back in 2009, and they did a book called Manhattan Projects. Oh, where it posits as the atomic bomb being the tamest thing that they created. And really they were just like completely unhinged and no government oversight, creating dimensional portals and dealing with aliens and stuff like that too. And that deals with Oppenheimer and Leslie Groves or Graves or Groves, uh, a lot more Richard Feynman than we got in the movie and things like that. So that's kind of a old backlist title that's evergreen right now.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you know, I know you guys normally, I think about once a month do an event at your like side location in Greensboro. Do you have any upcoming events with the with the warehouse mm-hmm. coming up?
2: Yeah, our warehouse is located at 929 behind the field trip performance space or 929 North Church Street. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about it today. I think we're looking at August 18th and 19th, so the afternoon of Friday, August 18th, and then the morning into the afternoon of Saturday, August 19th, for the next warehouse sale. And that's a chance where we have a lot of dollar books, kind of overstock clearance toys. Uh, We also have some premium back issues. that, Even having three stores, we just don't have room for everything that we want to get out there, so that's some extra space to come and find some hidden gems. Love it. Love it. For, for those of
1: you watching, I mean, I, I would say half of this is thanks to our friends at Sailfish Comics here in the background. So, uh Stephen will be joining us at least once a month minimum to, uh, you know, talk about all things comic books, comic cons, action figures, the whole entire nine yards. Kip, thank you so much for joining hey, us. Ma'am. Always was a pleasure. Yeah. You guys hang out for just a second all right party people that is going to wrap up our latest episode of zero dark nerdy thank you so much for listening we appreciate all the love and support big thank you to our sponsors betonline.ag for all your sports betting needs and of course the believe podcast network and we could not be here without our main sponsors that is sailfish comics for all your comic book graphic novel Toys, posters, the whole nine yards, they got it all. Three locations in North Carolina, one in Greensboro right across from Best Buy on Stanley Road, one location in Winston-Salem, and one in Concord right outside of Charlotte. On behalf of everyone here at Zero Dark Nerdy, be sure to check us out on social media all across the board, Zero Dark Nerdy and of course our website popculturepodcast.com courtesy of our good friends over at zipster z i b s t e r for all your pod, for all your website and seo needs have a good one be good to each other out there and we'll see you next time peace
0: yeah! victory and anger management fuck anger management.